This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Morning, everybody. Are you having a happy new year? Are you wide awake? Are you glad I'm going to talk about money today? (laughs) Oftentimes when you come to church and they talk about money, it's like, oh, man. I don't know if I'm coming back. Well, we're going to have a great time. And over the next few weeks, I hope to be able to plant in all of our hearts seeds of great hope. We talk about the recovery road. Um, Boy, that's right where we're heading. And I am so excited that you are here this morning. I'm glad that I'm here this morning. And I know God has some things to say to us that are going to be very, very helpful as we begin this new year. It's the It's the beginning of a two-year journey that we are taking as a church called the Take Hold Initiative. And this is going to be an awfully lot of fun. It's going to make a huge difference in many of our lives. To whatever degree we embrace it, it will make that much difference in our lives. And so I want to encourage you right at the front of this to just sort of make an internal commitment. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to take hold of this. I'm going to embrace it because I don't want to miss out on anything that God has for me. Would that describe where you are today? You don't want to miss out on anything God has for you, right? I don't either. So let's enjoy this together. And let's start by going right to what is going to be our key verse. And since we're all going to memorize it, right? Right? Okay, here we go. Take a look at it. It's pretty simple. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Let's read it out loud together. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Where is it found? 1 Timothy 6.12. That's not hard to memorize, is it? It's a little harder to live. But I want those words to be ringing in our hearts. I want them to come to our conscious mind over and over again. That over the next two years, I am going to consciously reach out and take hold of the eternal life that God has given me. I'm not going to wait till I die to get it. I'm going to take hold of it now because I can begin living that life today. And so why do we begin with finances? Well, I'll tell you why we begin with finances. Because they are a huge contributor to the chaos in our lives. Because they create tremendous stress for most of us. And because until we make progress in that area, it usually just prohibits making progress in any other area. So we're going to start right there. Now, right up front, when you come to church and hear about money, you think, oh boy, how many times are they going to take the offering today? That's not what this series is about, okay? The series is about helping us learn how to experience financial freedom in our lives. And so this morning... We're going to debunk a myth right up front. Because we've all heard the stories of athletes who have signed multi-million dollar contracts and somewhere along the line they end up broke. Have you heard those stories? Sure you have. You've heard the stories of corporations that did extremely well and yet somehow they went financially debunked. And you look at that and you go, wow. How could anybody with that much money allow that to happen to themselves? And what do we usually follow that up with, even if we don't say it out loud? I would never, what? Let that happen to me. 
before we pick up our stones and start throwing them at people who've had a lot more money than we have, let's take a look at five financial truths and let's do a little reality check of our own. The first reality that we're going to find is this. Prosperity is a difficult test to pass. It is. It's a difficult test to pass nationally, corporately, and individually. You know, we live in the land of opportunity. We live in the land that for, for decades, actually two centuries, people have, have wanted to come to because they realize you could come here with nothing. And you could. If you lived right and did the right things, it's quite possible that you could amass a fortune. It's a land of opportunity, and yet, how well have we passed it? Did you know that 40% of the people in our country now are considered so poor that they do not pay income tax? 40% in the land of opportunity. Did you know our unemployment rate right now is twice what the unemployment, unemployment rate is in Brazil? That's a little shocker, isn't it? Yeah, I did a little research, and I'm going, Wow! How well have we handled prosperity? We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. How about corporations? How many of you have been to a Borders bookstore recently? And yet a few months ago, if someone had said to you Borders would go out of business, you would have said, are you kidding? They're everywhere. How about Circuit City? Been to one of those recently? No, no. Well, look at that and go, I, 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 I don't understand that. Well, the point is, prosperity is a very difficult test to pass. And again, before we throw stones at Circuit City and Borders and, and our government with its staggering debt that threatens to shut down our country at any time, I wonder how many of us, even right now, live in homes and our mortgages are upside down. Right. And if someone were to say, what's your actual net worth? And our answer would be, my net worth is a minus whatever it is. I, I don't say that to condemn anybody here. It's just that we have to have a reality check. And you know, it's like, sort of like going to the doctor. When you go to the doctor and the doctor says, well, before I can prescribe something for you, I need to actually find out what's wrong with you. Is that the fun part of going to the doctor? No. But it's where the doctor has to look at you and look you in the eye and tell you the honest truth because until you and I are willing to admit the honest truth, we can never get well. I have had friends who have died prematurely because they went to the doctor and the doctor said, this is what's wrong with you. And they walked out the door and said, I refuse to believe that about myself. Wow. Let's not do that. So that's, tr that's truth number one is this, that prosperity is not an easy test to pass. Truth number two is another reality that we have to embrace. And here it is. The root of our financial problem is not financial. Did you know the problem in our country is not that we don't have enough money? We keep printing more. Have you noticed? Is that solving it? No, the problem in our country is not a shortage of money. Did you know the problems in Circuit City were not a, was not a shortage of money? The problem with Borders Books was not a shortage of money. And the problem in your house, in my house, is not that we don't have enough money. We live in a country that has one of the highest individual income levels in the history 
of the world and among leading countries the highest. It's not a shortage of money. And that leads us to a third reality that sometimes is difficult for us to face. And here it is. More money will not fix our financial problems. There's probably not a person sitting in our audience this morning who hasn't at some point in his or her life thought, if I just had more money, I'd be in great shape. If I just had as much money as them, or if I just had X amount of dollars of annual income, I would be content. I could pay all my bills. I would get out of debt. I would not live on credit. And the truth is, you probably said that 20 years ago, and you probably make more money than that now. Is that right? Yeah. Now, listen to me carefully, because here's the truth. If you had whatever amount of money that was, and friends, it could be a million dollars a year. However you handle what you have today is how you would handle a million dollars. And you know what that means? By the way, do you know anybody who makes a million dollars who's in debt? Of course you do. Because when they made $100,000, they were in debt. The truth is, if we had more money, we would have the same problems we have now, only bigger. And that's the truth. So until we're willing to embrace that and say, you know, I've got a problem here that I need to deal with. The problem just continues, no matter how much money we make, no matter what kind of house we live in, no matter any of those things. Because the truth is, more money will not fix our financial problems. We're going to get to what will in just a minute. Let's look at truth number four. Truth number four is our problems stem from an abuse of prosperity. And we're going to illustrate that in four ways. Number one, we actually have a discipline problem. I want you to write this down in your notes because it's one of the most important things I can say to you today. You ready to write? The more you have of anything, the less disciplined you tend to be with it. Can you write that down? Does that make sense to you? The more you have of anything, the less disciplined you tend to be with it. Right up front, I will tell you, I love the toffee that, that uh, Dr. Toffee has been selling in the lobby recently. Okay? Are you ready for this? Because I know it comes only once a year. I buy a little stash, and you cannot believe how disciplined I am with that stash. It has to last me months. If it was readily available, do you think I'd be that disciplined? No, because when I ran out, I could just go buy more. You see, the more you have of anything, the less disciplined you tend to be with it. What, what was our first reality? Prosperity is what? Difficult test to pass. Because the more we have of money, the less disciplined we tend to be with it. The second area, the second way we're going to illustrate this is we have an entitlement issue here. 
In this land of great prosperity, we tend to look around at other people, and here's the fundamental assumption we make. I deserve what I have and what they have. We look at our neighbor next door and we think, wow, he has two jet skis and I have none. I look as good and important and, and, and so forth as he does. So he has two jet skis. I deserve two jet skis. Never mind that I have a motorcycle who's in, that's in my, in my garage that I seldom ever take out. But we get to looking at what other people have and all these things. And the next thing you know, we begin to believe, and you can write this down, that I deserve what I haven't yet earned. Because I believe that I'm entitled to it and I would like to have it, I'm willing to go out and borrow to get it. Anybody ever been there? You know, it gets real quiet in here when I ask that question. Yes, it's the truth. It's a sense of entitlement. Did you know that prosperity breeds entitlement? Prosperity breeds entitlement. Always has and always will. Third area that we struggle in in this concept of abuse of, of our prosperity is we have a greed problem. We have a tremendous greed problem. I'm only going to illustrate it one way. Did you know that people in the United States of America live in houses that are record-setting in terms of their square footage? Did you know that when I was a kid, the average home in the United States had average less than 1,000 square feet? Can't believe that unless you're my age. <laughs> How did people live back in those days? We live in these homes that are huge and we've got double and triple car garages. And did you know that in the United States of America, we buy so much stuff, we can't even get it in our oversized garages. And so public storage is now a 20 billion dollar a year industry because we can't even put in our homes all the things that we buy. And yet we have a staggering debt, consumer debt, on all that stuff that we can't even store in our own homes. Think about that for a minute. We struggle with a greed problem. And then last of all, and this is where I want to start because this is the beginning. So far, we've been sort of going down, right? This is the beginning of going up, okay? And that is we have to face what is our lack of nerve. We have a lack of nerve problem. Let's, take about, let's talk about it on the national level because we're getting ready to head into the election time. And frankly, the leaders of our nation struggle to have the nerve to make the decisions that are actually good for our country because they know that in the end, things that would be good for our country would, would be for us to live within our means. But if we live within our means, we have to say no to a lot of things that we're currently saying yes to. And there are all kinds of politicians standing in line who are willing to say yes if you'll elect me. And our current politicians won't say no because they want to get reelected. And so here we go. Corporations. 
CEOs of corporations and those who, who sit at the executive level struggle from a lack of nerve because they know investors don't want profits in the future. When do they want them? Now. So instead of making decisions that are in the long-term good of the corporation and will make it a stable, solid moneymaker for decades to come, they mortgage and leverage the future of the company to show a profit now so they don't get fired. And if, boy, if you study corporate America, you know that that's true. Individually, we struggle with a lack of nerve. Because, frankly, we don't want to march to a different drummer than the people down our street march to. I mean, we bought the house that we bought because people around us were buying houses like that and they made the same kind of income that we made. And we said, okay, I'm buying in. I'm not getting left behind in this gravy train. And it didn't turn out to have much gravy. And sure enough, we didn't get left behind. We got left upside down. Yeah. That's the deal. Lack of nerve. Now, we can turn that around, and we're going to turn that around, but it's going to start with the understanding of one central and principal truth, and it's the one thing I want you to get from the whole morning because it is the beginning of the recovery road, and it is a transformational truth that God wants us to reach out and fully embrace today. In order to look at that, we're going to go straight to Scripture, and we're going to go to a story that Jesus told. It's found in Matthew chapter 7. He said, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Now, if you've been to church very many times, you've probably heard this passage before. But let's interrupt it right here and let's, let's at least admit one thing. And that is, the faults and sin in other people is far easier for us to, to spot than in our own. Correct? Exactly. It's easier to spot sawdust in your brother's eye than a plank in your own. Why? Because you don't have to do anything about it. You don't have to deal with it. Besides, if we admitted it, it actually makes us feel a little superior when we can find a speck of sawdust in a brother or sister's eye. It's just so easy and so obvious. But Jesus sort of turns that around and he says... Look at this. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? Now, I want you to notice right up front, Jesus, Jesus does not say the problem is in noticing. Does he ever fault? In fact, when we get all the way down to the end, notice what he says, you hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you will what? See, clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. It was clearly not wrong to notice or even help your brother remove the speck from his eye. In fact, Jesus recommends that. But the problem is not in noticing. Write this down. Listen to this. The problem is this. The first thing that noticing should do, it should send us to the mirror. Got it? It should send us to the mirror. It, that principle is in Christ's teaching over and over and over again. Remember the story of the woman who was caught in adultery and they brought her to Jesus and said, Jesus, the law says to stone her, what do you say? 
And Jesus said, let me tell you this. He who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. What was he saying? When you see, you can write this down too. When what you do bothers me, I should take a long, hard look at myself before I bother you. Let me say that again. When what you do bothers me, I should take a long, hard look at myself before I bother you. And Jesus stooped and wrote in the sand, and I have no idea what he wrote, but I know that whatever he wrote pointed to sins in the people's lives who stood there, and they all dropped their stones and left. Remember that story? Yeah. You see, it's so easy for us to sit in the middle of a country that has financial problems and begin to blame the economy or to blame the exorbitant interest rates that we're now paying on our credit cards or to blame how the housing industry fell or to blame how unemployment is so high, to blame all sorts of things. But Jesus would say to us, the road to recovery begins by releasing the stones that are in your hand and walking to the mirror and taking a good hard look. Because here's truth number five. It's the most important one. The recovery road begins with whom? We, not they. I know it sounds overly simple, but the truth is, friends, no one can solve your financial problems but whom? Who? You. Okay? No one can do that for you. But here's where I want to give you hope. Okay? Because God's going to lay out principles for us in His Word that if we will embrace them and live them in our lives, there's not a single person in our audience this morning that in the coming year, in 2012, cannot experience a growing sense of financial health and freedom. There's not one person sitting here that can't have that. It's all available to every one of us. I didn't say it was easily available, but it's available. And if we're willing to do that, we're going to have people give some testimonies over the next few weeks that I think some of you will go, oh my goodness, I never would have guessed. But these are people who have decided to take the recovery road in advance of the whole church. And some of them have been at it for a year now. And the difference that it's making in their life is just enormous. I can't wait for you to hear their stories. I can't wait to hear the details of their stories. Because in that, we are going to catch seeds of hope of how, no matter how upside down we are in our current mortgage, or no matter how much consumer debt we now have, no matter how many credit cards we currently have, there is hope for us if we will begin with this one point. And the one point is, the recovery road begins with whom? We, not they. Let's ask ourselves some questions. The first question is, are you disciplined with your money? You know, as I thought about this, it had already gone to print. But you know, if you would cross out are you and write am I disciplined with my money, it would bring it more home. We were standing in a circle of people out here praying for all of us who would be here today and praying that God would minister to us and God would speak to us and 
And Kevin was rightfully saying, you know, one of the things that's most exciting about where we're headed in the Take Hold Initiative, and particularly in about finances as we begin, one of the most exciting things is the material we're going to study has the power to change people's lives. And it's true. And I said to the group, I agree with what Kevin said, but I think it would be most important for us for us to understand that it's exciting because it has the power to change our lives. It's really easy to come to church and think, by golly, I hope somebody got some good out of that. That was great. Okay? Yes. Most of all, us. So am I disciplined with my money? You know what I mean by that? You know when it comes back to that greed thing? Here's another thing you can write in the margin. You know what greed is? We tend to think greed is wanting things that other people have. Let me give you a different definition of greed. Greed is the assumption it's all for my consumption. I want you to think about this. Do you handle your money in such a way that you have financial margin? So that you can save and you have money left over that you can give generously to causes you believe in and people who are in need. Without putting it on credit. Got it? Financial margin. Am I disciplined in how I handle my money? Or do I just spend it all? Or have I spent it before I got it? Question number two would be this. Are you greedy? In other words, do you assume it's all for my consumption? Question number three. Do you pay your taxes? So, wow, pastor, you're, you're down meddling. No. Jesus made it very clear when some people came to him one day and said, should we pay taxes or not? You remember what Jesus said? He said, give to Caesar, who was the, governor, the government at that time, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. You may not like what our politicians do with our tax money. In fact, you probably don't. Okay? But the truth is, we still live in the United States of America, and our government is still responsible for our welfare. And even if they're not doing a very good job, it's still our job, Jesus said, to pay the taxes that we rightfully owe our government. And by the way, if you cheat on your taxes... It will do you no good to get on your knees and say, Oh, God, bless me anyway. Next question. Are you fulfilling your responsibility for your children from a previous marriage? That's even more personal. I'm completely amazed at how many people in our country, and yes, even people who are in church, have children and they don't pay the child support that they should. Oh, they all think, I don't have enough money. Yes, you do. You have a vehicle? Oh, yeah, I got a vehicle. Which is more important, your vehicle or your kids? You have a TV? Oh, yeah. You got cable TV? Yeah. Which is more important, cable TV or your children? You understand? It's all part of that reality check. We have that sense of entitlement that I'm entitled to cable TV. God knows what would happen to me if I had to watch things on rabbit ears. Wow. 
You know, it's time that we looked in the mirror and said, you know, we can't... By the way, you know why I'm talking to you like this? Because did you know that the financial problems in our country cannot be solved at a national level and they cannot be solved at a corporate level. I want to tell you the honest truth and I don't have time to spell out all the economics for us, but did you know that if we dealt with our consumer debt and we dealt with the attitude among consumers that creates consumer debt and we solved this at the individual level, did you know it would naturally heal at the corporate and the national level? Think about that for a minute. If you solved the entitlement issue in your life and you recognized entitlement for what it was, would you vote for someone who would feed entitlement in our country? No, you wouldn't. Because you would recognize, that almost killed me. It almost made me financially broke. I would not want that for my country. And by the way, you wouldn't invest in companies that had that sense of entitlement either. It's amazing. It has to be solved at the individual level, which is why that's where the road to recovery begins. By the way, what are the very first words in our nation's constitution? We, the people. Do you know how brilliant that was? Because the issues in our country start with us. Which is why we're asking us the questions, not our corporations and not our nation. Let's go on to the next question. Are you on disability when you could work? And in this economy, I want to throw one other one on there. Are you on unemployment when you could be off? I know so many people that when they lost their jobs, the first thing they did was check and see how long their unemployment would go. And they got on that roller coaster and they just rode it. Friends, we the people should be doing that. When we have the opportunity to work, if we're on unemployment, we ought to be beating the streets. We ought to be out there 30 and 40 hours a week and knocking on doors. And I know you say, oh, we do it online these days. Well, guess what? Imagine what would happen if you actually showed up at a place that you sent your resume to and you began to talk to them and say, I'm not just looking for a paycheck. I want to come and actually help a company. Now, when I talk to people who are personnel managers, they still like talking to people face to face. It's an interesting process that we need to go through. Because until we're willing to look in the mirror, begin to solve that problem, and the great thing is, as we look in the mirror, I want to go back to what I said to you a while ago, and that is, Every single person in this room can experience a growing sense of financial freedom. And many people in this room, if we really put our minds to it and begin to manage our finances as God lays out in His Word, within one year could be debt-free. Can you imagine that? Yeah. could be a life transformational year. And I hope it will be. I'm excited to lay some of that stuff out. And then last of all, are you stealing from your employer? I'm going to leave this person nameless. Um, and they didn't actually tell it to me. Somebody else told it to me because they had shared it. Um, not, it, it. They had shared it in a public way, so I'm not 
telling stories out of school. But in a sermon that was delivered here recently, there was something mentioned about honesty. And this person was sitting in the audience and God spoke to them and said to them, you know what that looks like in your life? You do personal email on company time. And they said they got so convicted about doing that that they decided, I'm never doing that again. They got to work on Monday, and guess what they found themselves doing? It was like, oh, that's what I said I wasn't going to do. Okay, okay, you know? And they said they didn't realize how much company time they had actually spent doing personal email. Can I just share with all of us this, this concept of integrity once we begin to embrace it, it, it goes deep. But it's pure to the core. And it, it wasn't, you know, and I wouldn't say, oh my goodness, if you do company email, if Jesus comes today, you know, put on your asbestos suit, you're going to need him. I wouldn't say that. Okay? But I can tell you this. Once you begin to embrace this concept of integrity, and accountability. And once you and I begin to get a hold of the concept that God has given us the power, that we don't have to be a powerless people bobbing out here on the surface of this ocean that is our country and just subject to all the financial winds that blow this way and that way. God has given us the ability to actually live independently from that to a great degree. And that even in tough times, we can experience a growing sense of financial freedom and health. And I just want to tell you, my prayer for all of us this morning is that we would hear that message loud and clear and that we would go home and say, God, I'm in it with you. I'm through living by the world's standards. I'm through experiencing all the stuff and, and, and living by this set of values that has led most people in our nation to the brink of financial ruin and has caused such problems in our country. And from this point on, I want to live by a different set of values. And I don't even know what all that's going to mean for me. But I know this. I know you can empower me to do that. I want to give us three ways that we can apply this this morning. And they're, they're in your, uh, if you pull out the Connect card in, in your program, number one, I will take in every teaching in this Recovery Road series. There are five of them, okay? And, and so every one of them is going to lay out a truth. This one was more of a reality check in terms of recognizing sort of on the negative side, the problem is me, but on the positive side, the solution rests with me. That's a good thing, right? Yeah, that with God's help, I can do something about this, okay? And then the rest of them, we will deal with a lot more of of what are those positive steps that we can take. Number two, by the way, if you can't be here every week, you already know, oh my goodness, we have a family vacation. You can actually view the teachings on your family vacation by pulling up Ustream on our website. Now, it runs live. So if you're going to watch the teachings, you want to log on live at 9 o'clock or at 11 o'clock. You can also listen to the teachings via podcast. And those are in the podcast archive, and you can get those anytime. So you, it, when you say, I'm going to take in, it doesn't mean, oh my goodness, if I'm going to be away visiting family next week, I can't check that box. No, 
But if you check the box, make sure you pull up the teaching and listen to it. Listen to it. Number two, I will attend one of the FPU previews or FPU life groups. You can write on your margin, FPU stands for Financial Peace University. One of the central things that we're going to be doing, and Kevin listed it for you when he mentioned the name Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey has put together a 12-week-long course called Financial Peace University that supplies specific tools for the average person to get them from where they are to becoming debt-free and having financial peace in their life. And it's a very informative 12-week course. It's very inspirational. Dave is a very humorous guy. It's presented. Dave presents it himself via DVD. We're going to have a number of life groups in our church that are going to be Financial Peace University life groups. So you're going to be able to take Financial Peace University on virtually any midday, I mean midweek day um, through this church. And one of the things we're going to do to help you with that is we're going to do a couple of Financial Peace University previews. So if you want to, if you want to, before you commit to going to an FPU life group, if you want to come and sort of check it out, well, then you can go to one of our FPU previews and you'll find their times listed in the nutshell. And then, last of all, I will memorize 1 Timothy 6.12, which says what? Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Let's pray. Father, would you move my friends, would you move me to fully embrace the journey that you've laid out for us? We're so excited to lower the chaos and stress in our lives by taking hold of the life to which you have called us. And we're excited that we get to begin with finances. Lord, would you lead us and guide us on this journey? Would you give us grace and strength and the discipline and the nerve to make the choices we will need to make so that we can experience the freedom you've made available to us? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.